Bible reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 7, uh, verses 36 to 50. And Jesus anointed, anointed by a sinful woman. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he cancelled the debts of both of them. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the biggest debt cancelled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Life is full of surprises. It is, isn't it? Especially now. I'm sure that you've come across a few surprises this week. And I'm sure that there are a few more surprises coming But there are a few more surprising acts, I'm sure, than what we see in the Bible reading from today. The first surprise is the location. Jesus is often chastised for eating with sinners and drunks, right? Yet here, he accepts the invitation of a Pharisee to come over for dinner. On this side of history, we sort of think, well, that's the worst person to hang out with, isn't it? Sinners and drunks, yeah, they're fine, but Pharisee, no. At least that's what I think. And so Jesus goes, he reclines at the table. And remember, this would have been one of those low tables which they would have reclined at, like as in laying down with their feet out. And if you see these pictures, there's like round tables, it looks like spokes of a wheel with all the legs sticking out, you know. So, so that's why they lean in and they stick their feet out and uh, they're reclining at this table. As Jesus is reclining... The second surprise is the actions of a woman who, say, has, uh, let's say has, has had less than a flattering reputation. She hears that Jesus is there and grabs an alabaster jar of perfume. 
Alabaster is a, as a soft stone and it was frequently used as a perfume container. And she finds herself at the feet of Jesus and begins weeping. She weeps uncontrollably and showers Jesus' feet with her tears so much so that there is enough liquid to wash the feet of Jesus, which she proceeds to do and wipes his feet with her hair. Now, I don't know whether you know much about cultural norms in first century Middle Eastern areas, but for a woman to let her hair down in public was a very immodest act and very surprising indeed. But she does so, weeping at the feet of Jesus, wiping all the dust and dirt from his feet away with her hair, but she's not done yet. Surprise! She then kisses Jesus' feet repeatedly. If there's one thing that I don't want anywhere near my mouth, it's the feet of another person, right? You will not find me kissing feet. Yet here this woman kisses Jesus' feet. She kisses them fervently again and again if you look at what the Greek words in this passage mean. And the kiss was was an emblem of love and affection. And in this manner she testified her love for the Lord Jesus and at the same time her humility and sense of sin by kissing his feet. There could be few expressions of repentance deeper and more tender than these as she humbled herself and sought forgiveness. Then another surprise, she pours perfume on Jesus' feet, precious and expensive. She uses this prized commodity to anoint the feet of Jesus. Her act would have been considered improper and therefore it took great courage to honour Jesus in this way. And then, unsurprising, the Pharisees... They charge that Jesus is not a prophet because a true prophet would not allow a sinful woman to touch him. And to help this Pharisee, Simon, to help him understand what is going on, Jesus asks him if two people who owed a debt and, and two of two months' wages, wages and, and one of 20 months' wages, that's, that's the, the figures that we're talking about here, two months' wages or, or 20 months' wages, and, and those debts were forgiven, who would love the person who forgave their debt more? Of course, Simon answers, the one with the bigger debt. And Jesus says, you are correct. You have judged correctly. And then he turns his attention, all of their attention to the woman and he asks Simon if he sees her. We know Simon noticed her but I don't think he ever truly saw her. If he had, he would have seen a broken woman, a woman who was living with regret, a woman who could no longer care enough about what other people thought of her that she was prepared to be ridiculed and scorned for her impropriety, yet a woman who felt deeply the desire to be forgiven by Jesus. Jesus points out to Simon the Pharisee that when he accepted his invitation and entered his home, 
He was not given the basic hospitality of water with which he could wash his feet. Yet this woman wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Simon did not greet Jesus with a kiss and neither should we at the moment. But instead playing social politics, yet this woman repeatedly kissed his feet. Simon did not put oil on Jesus' head. You see, there was this custom of pouring oil upon the head of a guest, a custom that was universal amongst the Jews. And the oil used was sweet oil or olive oil and it was prepared in such a way to give an agreeable smell. You see, there would have been many bad odours at this time. And so if you were going to someone's house, the polite thing to do was to help cover some of that odour and that's why you would receive oil on your head to help cover that aroma so that when you were speaking to people and reclining next to them at a table, you didn't stink too badly. And it was also used to render the hair a bit smoother and more elegant. So uh, I don't know if anyone needs to struggle about that, just put some oil on, see how it goes. And so Simon didn't even follow this basic custom and respect Jesus enough to put oil on his head. Yet by contrast, this woman poured perfume on Jesus' feet. And Jesus directly compares Simon's lack of hospitality with the greater love of the woman that was on display and which he just observed. And it is this display of love which is evidence of her repentance and forgiveness. Jesus then directly speaks to the woman and says that her sins are forgiven. Her faith has saved her and encourages her to go in peace. I want to ask you a question. In this story, who do you identify more with? Is it Simon the Pharisee? You're just scraping through the basics with Jesus, you're ignoring him a bit, but still trying to be close-ish to him? Or do you identify with, with the woman broken before Jesus, weeping at his forgiveness as it is offered to you, displaying unashamed affection towards him, honouring him with what is precious? So there will be times of surprise for each of us as we one day find ourselves acting just like Simon and then there will be other days where we are broken and weeping before Jesus and everything in between, no doubt. But the offer of forgiveness for sins that Christ made to this woman and her multitude of sins is the same offer that he makes to each one of us and our multitude of sins. The woman experienced the forgiveness of her sins not because of love but through faith which was evidenced in the way she honoured Jesus in her act of washing his feet. And we too can display our love for Jesus through faith and through the things we do in and by faith. And one of the greatest aspects of being a follower of Jesus is that we do it as a community, not alone. There will be those tender moments that we each individually have with Jesus. But we are part of a family to to grow together in our faith and and in our knowledge of him and, and in our encouragement of each other and to be active in this world for Christ. If this woman had a close, trusted friend who looked out for her, encouraged her, shared life together with her, 
Maybe she never would have gotten into the situation in which she found herself in the first place. See, there is power and vitality that comes when we do life with other people and share our joys and burdens together. There is a great principle in Scripture that I'll be unpacking shortly. You reap what you sow. If you sow isolation and aloneness, which is what we're asked, being asked to do right now, isn't it? Your harvest will be solitary. Yet if you sow deeply into relationships, your harvest will be a vital family network that builds and grows each person who is part of it. And so in this very moment, it is important to keep relationships going, keep contact going and, and keep encouraging those around you because indeed we do reap what we sow. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and, and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chaza, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So it's quite interesting to note the special mention of these women and many others who were women of their own means and who were supporting Jesus and the disciples. Luke has more references to the role of women in Jesus' ministry than any other gospel. And here he mentions several by name and it's noteworthy that the women come from a wide variety and array of social levels, from the highest level of social order in Herod's paradise to a demon-possessed woman who would have been a social outcast. And I love the fact that Joanna was the wife of Chaza. There you go, if you're looking for baby names, Chaza. That's a good one, isn't it? Well, maybe Chooza, I don't know, but Chaza sounds better. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil and it came and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears, let him hear. Now, we know that this parable is not really about the sower, it's more about the soil. His disciples asked him what the parable meant and he said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. And the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. 
But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. What type of soil are we? You know, I've been thoroughly enjoying growing vegetables in my garden. This was a photo I took yesterday. And so from an empty plot at the end of January, there's now this. Thank you, Russell, for your assistance. <laughs> there are leeks, there are peas, there are capsicums. $14.90 in the, kit in the supermarkets right now for a capsicum. Anyway, there's silver beet and celery. There are dwarf butter beans. And there's corn. That's in order of my little veggie patch there. <laughs> Might have to soon. Uh, don't worry. Any excess will 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 probably be be distributed. But, but one thing that's been abundantly clear is the work required to produce a good crop. We set it all up with really good preparation getting good topsoil and, and protecting from the birds, vital. And now every couple of days we go through and pull out all the weeds. We add fertiliser to the soil and to the leaves and we have a very productive garden. And it's pretty much also the same with our chickens. We provide them good food and water and give them the, chicken, the kitchen scraps. We give them a place to stay warm and to roost in Cluckingham Palace. We have an electrified fence around them to protect them from foxes and the like. In return, we get a couple of eggs most days. With our garden, we protect our garden. We tend to our garden. We feed our garden. We water our garden. We invest into our garden. So we produce a good harvest. How we sow, we reap. The effort we put in pays us back. And so it is with our spiritual lives. We will not grow more like Jesus if we never do anything about it. We will not become more compassionate. We will not become more loving. We will not become more intimate with a father if we never sow into our spiritual lives. How are you protecting your spiritual garden? How are you tending to it? How are you feeding it? How are you watering it? Simply coming along to church on a Sunday, whilst great and hopefully it continues, it's not enough to help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. We need to become self-feeders. How good would it be if you could just set up a garden sow the seed and let it just happen and, 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 and get the results like that if you did nothing. That would be amazing. But that's not reality. Nothing really works like that. We have to invest our time and effort and energy into developing. And discipleship is one way you can do this. And you can do it in a very casual but intentional manner. How you sow, you reap. But hold on, Aaron. My faith is personal. 
I don't need to share with other Christians about my faith. I don't need to talk about what God has been doing in my life with anyone. No, it's all you know. It's just between me and God. You know, we've got a good relationship. We understand each other. Well, that might be how some people feel. You may be very private, and you may not even see the benefit of catching up with a Christian friend and chatting about how you're going, how how your families are, what what we can be praying for each other about, or or what we need help with, or how God has blessed us recently. But this verse continues straight on and it says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. So your faith is not private anyway. God sees all and he wants you to bring your faith to light. Stop hiding it under the bed. Bring it out. Let it shine. Let your light touch the hearts and lives of others. Bring some of the hope you have in the gospel with you and share what that hope means for you this week, next week or next month. Let your light of faith shine brightly and boldly. Let it spark in others what God has sparked in you. There's no need to be shy. See, discipleship isn't a teacher to a student. It isn't master to apprentice. It isn't discipleship is light to light, heart to heart, life to life. And I reckon discipleship is something that would bless every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. And most of us are already probably doing it naturally anyway. I mean, how many people regularly catch up with a friend over a coffee or lunch and talk about life, talk about family, talk about our struggles and our joys? talk about God's activity in our lives and encourage each other in life and faith. You know, I think over the coming weeks, catching up with someone for a coffee is going to be super important. If you don't like coffee, like I don't like coffee, hot chocolate or Coke is fine, I'm sure. Get your caffeine how you can. But it's really important that we not only sow hope, but we actually bring calm with us. And if we are going out, if there's a, if in, in areas where we are allowed to, where it's permitted within the regulations, then we go and support our community as well. And so it's like a double benefit. You get to catch up. You know, I might catch up with Brett and we might get to talk about each other. We might encourage each other. You know, Brett might share with me what God's doing in his life, how, how he's been speaking to him in the Bible and, 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 and through his devotions. And, and I'll get to do the same. We'll be encouraging each other and... We'll be supporting a local business, which are going to do it really tough. Now, what a great double benefit there is. We get that benefit, and so do they. That's, that's a one way we can bring hope. And today we have a, an opportunity to sign up and be involved in discipleship. You know, these groups of two or three people meet up every couple of weeks to once a month. You set a day, a time and you, know, you dedicate that to the Lord 
to disciple each other, to pray together, to share what God has been doing in your life, to share what he's been teaching you from his word, to laugh and enjoy each other's company and to bless each other. Meet for 30 minutes or an hour or as long as you want to meet. It's nothing fancy. But it's another way we can sow into our lives, into the life of someone else as well. This passage ends with this verse. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Discipleship helps us practically. As here it says, the one who already has a knowledge of God's word will understand it better. As in, more will be given the more we invest in knowing and understanding God and his word in relationship. Whereas the one who does not listen carefully will lose even what he has heard. Now, I don't necessarily think that faith is one of those things that is use it or lose it, at least not in terms of our salvation. But I certainly do believe that the more we interact with our faith and how that intersects with life and doing that in relationship with others, the more we will grow more like Jesus. The more we will apply the gospel to our daily lives and the more we will have the ability to bring the hope of the gospel to others. To Luke 8.15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. The best way to be good soil is to invest into our soil and we can do that through discipleship. You know, in just a moment we're going to conclude our service here today and on your way out to get your coffee and head outside, there is sheets of paper there which one person is going to stand and write your name down for you if you'd like to sign up and that is to be involved in discipleship. Now you might already be doing that And so there's two sheets. One is that I'd like to do it. The other one is I'm sort of already doing this thing called discipleship, but I'd like to let you know that I am, which I'd also like to, we'd we'd love to encourage and, and to hear too. And so you can register the group that you already meet with. So you might, Colleen, already have a meeting once a month with um, Faye. Um, And so you might just say, hey, yeah, I'm already doing that. Isn't it great? Yes, well done. Write us down. So I'd love to to hear those things too. And if you see someone's name on the sheet and you'd love to do discipleship with that person, well, there's I've put two columns. You can actually write, get your name written in the column beside that and I'll connect you two together. Uh, And so then this week, once I've collated that information, I'll send that out to everyone who'd like to be involved and we we can work that out together. So I'm going to send a list of everyone that wants to do discipleship I'm going to send out an encouragement to, to people who are together. This person would have been connected um, or with a suggestion of a connection for you. If it's not, they're not already a close friend, great! How good is that to expand our, our friendships even here within our, our church? And we're going to send those out and we can really look forward to seeing these deeper spiritual friendships growing amongst our congregation And how much more important is it to be grounded in relationship with other people even now, more especially now, and seeing those relationships bear fruit as we invest into our soil and grow more 
like Jesus. Because that's really what it's about. Being a vibrant family that is full of gospel-centred growth, this is one way we can do that, is to grow. So I'm gonna, let, let, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, Lord, you offer us forgiveness just like that woman who wept at your feet. Lord, we know that we will at times find ourselves with a heart like Simon's. And so, Lord, we pray that as we enter into these discipleship relationships, that would be a source of joy for us. That would be a source of growing more like you and so that our hearts would become more like yours. Lord, I pray that these discipleship relationships would indeed foster deep spiritual friendships amongst us, that they would bear fruit of health and vitality, that there would be an encouragement for us to apply the gospel to our circumstances and to encourage each other in those moments of doing that. And that, Lord, where we do have at times a heart like Simon, that close friend would be able to speak into our life and say, hey, maybe there's a better way of doing this. Let me help you. Let's, let's work together and let me encourage you. And so I pray right now that as we do head out into this uncertain future, that, Lord, you would still give us the security that is found in you, the security that, Lord, you hold all things in your hand. There is nothing beyond your control. Lord, I pray that you would protect us, particularly those who are vulnerable. I pray that we would be able to continue life as normally as possible, but as respectful as possible as well of trying to flatten the curve. And Lord, I pray that as of now, as there are no cases in the northeast here, that Lord, your, your protection would fall upon this community and that Lord, we would remain free of this virus as unlikely as that appears to be. Lord, we pray for that right now. That, Lord, there'll be a great testimony of your protection for us here in the northeast. And so, Lord, I pray that through these uh, uncertain and challenging times ahead, you would give us the necessary abilities to cope. You would also give us the deeper friendships to connect, even if it is on the phone or on a video call or at a cafe, appropriately spaced apart. Now, Lord, may this be a great testimony in a time where we can see your hand at work amongst us and we can grow to become more like you in the way we respond to all things. We pray right now. Amen.